1: Money, 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 money. Quickly to wall. Wall yeah. measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Yeah. What a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. Pierce with three. Pierce with two. Pierce thrown away at the horn. It's gone! and can't anybody
0: it What's up it's the Locked On Wizards podcast here Tuesday night from the nation's capital I guess we're actually always here in D.C. (laughs) But anyways, I'm your host, Noah Getzel, Brianna Kramer, also Wizards Extra Reporter, will be here to break down uh, a thrilling but disappointing game uh, here at Capital One Arena. And what we're going to talk about tonight is the Wizards losing to T-Wolves 116-111 after a colossal collapse in the fourth quarter where the Wolves shot 72%. We're going to talk about a controversial no-call at the end of the game where it looked like Bradley Beal might have been fouled and pushed out of bounds leading to the game-deciding turnover and an easy dunk for for the Wolves. And finally, we're going to talk about a, a recurring trend for the Wizards the past four games where they're allowing 60 points or more each game in the paint, 1-3 uh, in three in those games. So we're going to get started uh, right here. First of all, welcome, Bryna. How's everything <laughs> going?
2: I'm great, Noah. How are you? I'm
0: um, slightly less great after that fourth quarter. That's uh, true. So 13 of 18 is what the Timberwolves shot in the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't, I'm going to butcher his name, but Nemanja Felika had 13 of those points. He hit three threes in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Wolves made like all of their three pointers in the game. I think they were like two of 14 or something going into that quarter, and they ended up with more of them. They ended them. up with 721 <laughs> three pointers. Yeah. Seven for 21. Okay, so that means they went five of seven in the final frame, right? Yeah, wow.
2: Yeah, which is insane
0: yeah what did what did you see out of that fourth quarter that allowed the wolves to come back from eight points down they ended up winning by five so that's you know they outscored the wizards thirty one sorry thirty four twenty one in that final frame including a twenty to three run that uh when the wizards started up ten they went down all the way to Seven points, eventually clawed back within two, three points, big uh, missed free throw for Beal, and then a huge three-pointer for Carl Anthony Towns with 29 seconds left on a pretty well-defended play. Ended up having him uh, getting chased off the three-point line right around the top of the key, and then he found another opening over in the corner. He bump faked and still got the shot off and swished it, which put the Wizards I'm sorry put the Timberwolves up by 5 with 29 seconds to go. What was your takeaways from that fourth quarter?
2: Yeah, I mean Scott Brooks said it again after the game. I mean, he said it pretty much all year long. I mean, the Wizards were so focused on making sure their offense was flowing and that they were getting nailing down shots that they started not playing defense. I mean, they basically didn't play defense at all this game, but like they really didn't play defense at all in the fourth quarter. And that's what he was saying after the game. He was like, you know, We really needed to get defensive stops. And when you get defensive stops, your shots are going to start falling. Defense leads to offense. Like, that's just the way it goes. And I mean, they were just so focused on trying to get the ball in the bucket that they just stopped playing defense. Mm -hmm. And the Wolves took advantage of it. I mean, that's what's going to happen when you have Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, when you have. I don't even know how to say that name again. But when he starts making shots when he had only four points going in the fourth quarter, like, come on. Right. Like, come on. At least go after him. Like, I understand Carl Anthony Towns was on fire all night. Like, you're not going to – you didn't stop him from the beginning. You're not going to stop him now. But, like, you shouldn't let a player who only had four points going into the fourth quarter go off and end up with 17 points. Right. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. was
0: five for five in that final fourth quarter and yeah. what was crazy is like all of the starters shot incredibly well but the wizards started playing off great not great defense but like in the in the first quarter it seemed like the wizards were shooting well and kind of just toying around a little bit too much instead of taking that big lead and kind of putting the wolves in, into a major hole but then you know the the game kept going and the wizards had absolutely no answer from any of their big men for Carl Anthony Towns who only missed four times 37 yeah. points Thirteen of seventeen. Uh, Morris was too small for him. Gortat wasn't quick enough. Mahimni wasn't quick enough. Gortat did have two blocks on Towns, but surprisingly, after each of those blocks, I believe the the, the Wolves went and hit a three the other way. So even when they were playing defense, right. you know, still, things still didn't quite go the Wizards' way. Um, but that that was definitely a key uh, point of emphasis that uh, Scott Brooks mentioned. Like even like the Wizards were basically. Trying to make shots instead of stops, which is what actually counts because the Wolves know that they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They know they can't hit any three-pointers, but where they dominated was in the paint, layup after layup. Jeff Teague, um, Wiggins was getting in there even though he was a little bit more sporadic, and then... Taj Gibson played well. He had uh, 10 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 8 rebounds too. It looked like he was dominating uh, Porter in the paint a little bit. And then, of course, like, this game would have been not a game whatsoever if it wasn't for the Catman, who was absolutely unstoppable. And- right, right. Hit, you know, he was scoring. That's one thing Marquise Morris mentioned. What made him so dangerous was the inside-out threat. You can't just guard him in paint; you gotta chase him off the three-point line too. Right. Three of three which from downtown, which is something the Wizards
2: have not been good about all season, not just with the Timberwolves. Yeah, but I have they to don't say, have no, they don't. But credit to Mahimi, who came off the bench. You know, in 23 minutes, he had 10 points after not playing on Saturday night in Miami. But I think it's just more, even though he gave a really great effort coming off the bench and was the best. Center, we had well mm-hmm. against compared to Gortat, he played better than Gortat did. Yeah. Um but it's just a matchup issue. Like we just don't match up well against the Timberwolves. So even though he had a really good game, it really didn't help. Mm-hmm. If they, if everyone else isn't getting stops and you know guarding the perimeter the way they should, Mahimi can't do it all by himself. Like he can't stop everyone from coming into the paint. He did a good job though for what he did
0: for yeah. his time. And uh, spoiler alert this would be the same issue the Wizards would face if they go against the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs because yep. Embiid and Mahimni, oh sorry, Embiid and Karl-Anthony Towns play similar games yeah. Embiid's a lot more of a defensive enforcer maybe a little bit less polished offensively but it would, you know, it would be uh,
2: It's still a match of
0: Yeah, deja vu all over. So that would be tough. Um another big issue that we're going to touch on here in a second was really just points in the paint, which um yeah. has been an issue past for yeah, past four games against the Heat uh on Tuesday. Saturday. Yeah. The the Wizards allowed seventy six points in the paint and ridiculous. then ridiculous. Yeah, it was uh sixty four tonight. And the reason why is that the Wizards guards and wing players can't stop people from getting into a lane. And that's what uh, Bradley Peel has mentioned over and over, you have to take pride in your one-on-one defense because the bigs can't you know, help you out and be the, the rim protector every time. Right. So so we're going to um, talk a bit more about uh, first that last foul, and or sorry, that last play, and whether it should have been drawn a whistle. And then finally, in the final segment, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the points in the paint, interior defense struggles, and perimeter defense, and what the path is ahead for the Wizards who are playing three more playoff opponents in the next three matchups over the next eight days. So stay tuned for Locked On Wizards. We're going to be right back after this quick message from our sponsor.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Wizards podcast. Uh, we are the only daily Wizards podcast, five days a week, uh, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Once again, my name is Noah Getzel. I'm the Wizards beat reporter. I've been covering the Wizards for four seasons. Bryna is on your second or third season? I'm
2: in my second season. Okay,
0: Bryna's been here best just about every night with me at Capital One Arena, where we're sitting by ourselves right now. It's very <laughs> eerie, actually, that nobody is around. But it makes sense. Um, So the Wizards have really struggled in terms of their defense recently. They've been playing good opponents, very hungry opponents at that too. But when you look at the past four games, Miami, New Orleans Pelicans, and then Miami again and Minnesota. So 60 points allowed against Miami and New Orleans Pelicans last weekend. And then or two weekends ago, and then 76 on Saturday against the Heat, who absolutely shredded the Wizards, and 64 here this evening, Tuesday night, against uh, Minnesota. Do you think there's any explanation besides poor guard play that's letting uh, people penetrate into the rim?
2: I think that's definitely the biggest thing. I mean, you could argue that these three teams that we've played in these last four games their bigs have been, you know, they're a key component of those teams. You know, when you look at Miami with Hassan Whiteside. Who was
0: out one of those games. Right, who was
2: out one of those games, the game that they allowed them, most points. And then James points.
0: Johnson totally right. drove Right, But still, so, so, like,
2: in terms of being key assets to those teams, you know, Hassan Whiteside is a key asset to Miami. Um, Anthony Davis is to the Pelicans. And um, Carl Anthony Towns is to the Timberwolves.
0: Davis was out as well, though. He was? Yes.
2: Well, <laughs> Yeah, then my point is kind of moot. But still, <laughs> it I mean, I think mostly, regardless, this, that was just kind of a little component to it. But, like, regardless, the guard play is, I mean, the biggest issue. And I don't know what it is because, you know, granted, the defense has been up and down all season. But in terms of letting um, opponents into the paint, it hasn't been this terrible all season. No. And I don't know if it's just kind of, you know, this March lull, you know, everything kind of slows down in the NBA around March Madness time, um, you know, and it's kind of just this last push of these last 14 games before the playoffs start. So I don't know if that's also a part of it and just, you know, they're kind of trying to take it one game at a time and coast because they know they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of seeding, which is why every game is still so important.
0: I guess. I mean, it's, it's such a crapshoot now that, like, Who really cares? I guess if the Wizards end up being the third seed versus the the eighth seed, seed. yeah. But But
2: our first round opponent's the Cavaliers right now by standings. We can't see the Cavs get them out of the way quick, right? (laughs) We cannot see the Cavs in the first round.
0: Yeah, um, that's the
2: big. That's the biggest thing is if I don't think it care people care as much if we get the fifth seed overall, but if the Cavs stay at fourth, then we're Screw.
0: I think seeding is a lot less important than just the trend that the Wizards end on. Like, it's a big thing in college basketball. The team that's kind of exploding and, like, going into their conference tournament and getting a bunch of big wins and, you know, having whatever their record is the last ten games is usually a key determinant of how to perform once the elimination games begin. So I think in the NBA, it's kind of the same sort of deal you know like who would want to face the portland trailblazers right now who have won i don't even know how many straight i think 10 straight or something anyway scott brooks said that the explanation for all of these points in the paints is the wizards guards especially are just getting beat on back doors getting beat off the dribble and when you do that, you can't expect the bigs to protect the rim every time. You got to guard the ball. Um, it's the same thing game after game, and it's just the personal matchups. It's it's nothing yeah. you can really coach. It's not like elaborate pick and rolls that are you know being worrisome. And it looked like, especially in my mind, Jeff Teague was just getting in and penetrating really easily. A lot of floaters, yeah. and he did this again against um, the Wizards back when Wall was guarding him in, in the playoffs before. Yeah. Well, way back, like, oh, like three four years ago when he was, in, ago, Atlanta. When he was yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah, and before, of course, he broke John Wall's hand on that dirty play, which cost the Wizards a series. But we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> this uh, is not
2: Throwback Thursday, no.
0: Do you think Tomas Sadaransky's defense has been a little bit more questionable recently after he caught so much praise for guarding um, Russell Westbrook and Kyle Lowry in those first two big wins of February?
2: I mean, yeah, I definitely think it's taken a step back. You know, you, people can only go on runs for so long, whether it's, you know, good scoring runs or defensive runs. Like, people only can go on them for so long, unless you're an elite, elite player, then you're just going to be good at it pretty much every night. Um, but yeah, so I definitely think he's taken a step back, but he's still, you know, been a great fill-in for Wall,
0: mm-hmm. um, and but he had, yeah. Not to, you know, rag on Sadoransky whatsoever, he had one of the nicest passes I've seen all season oh yeah mm, I wouldn't say any Wizards because John Wall has those gems once a game but there was an awesome play
2: but you could argue it's one of the best ones of the season for sure
0: so first of all his line 15 points 7 assists 8 rebounds and just one turnover, along with three steals. was a
2: great line. Yeah,
0: so this was one of his steals. Uh, He intercepted a pass, took it coast to coast, and it looked like he had one defender to beat for his layup, and I thought he was just, you know, trying to drive in to draw the foul. He kind of hung up there. Left his feet, hung hung above um, the floor, scooping for, like, a finger roll. His defender kind of, like, floated by him. He just flipped it behind his back to auto for the dunk, which, you know, the, the few amount of crowd fans... Well, there was a solid, decent show up, showing tonight. So the crowd totally erupted, and uh, it forced uh, Tom Thibodeau to take a timeout. What do you think of that play?
1: Oh,
2: my God. That was definitely one of my... Definitely one of the top plays of the season.
0: Definitely a top Sato play this season. For Definitely, sure. just
2: I think you could call it a top ten play mm-hmm. from anybody this season. That was incredible. Yeah. That was yeah. I'm gonna be thinking about that play for a while. That was incredible.
0: I forgot this was the the part of the podcast where we were supposed to talk about a, a foul that seemed questionable. Yeah, because I was bros, wondering what we were going to talk about. <laughs> my bad, I confused that a little bit. It's okay. So um, we'll unravel those comments and that controversy right after these messages so stay right here locked on wizards podcast coming right back
1: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: We're back. Locked On Wizards podcast. I'm Noah Getzel. Two guys who we heard from, uh, the third was Markeith Morris, who said he was on the other side of the court and didn't really see what was going on. Yeah. But both Scott Brooks and Bradley Beal said that they thought there was some pushing and maybe a, a swallowed whistle with... How much time was it? It was about 10 seconds to go, 15 seconds maybe?
2: Yeah. 15,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, about 15 seconds. Uh, so the Wizards were down by three. On that play, um, Beale caught the inbound pass. Immediately he got, it seemed like, but trapped he, yeah, he, by uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Yes. And off, then, off a screen. He, you know, he he went off the screen from Gortat to get open. Cat uh, stayed with him. He's quick enough. Cat like reflexes, and so he basically seemed to be nudging him out of bounds. Beal had no options. I think he had picked up his dribble. He had to fire the steep pass near half court from his heels, yeah, and, and it got stolen stole. by a Teague yeah. uh, fast break dunk. And yeah, that was the end of the hope for the Wizards. Um, but anyway, did you think that? Beal was getting fouled on that play, or was it one of those late game situations as a ref where you kind of just let the guys play through it?
2: It's hard for us for me to say what I saw because you know, compared to where that play happened, it happened literally at the furthest end of the court from where we sit and we mm-hmm. sit up above. So, in terms of whether he got fouled, I'd have to go back and like look at the tape, but I definitely think this was a situation where if there was if they were saying, "Hey, that was the foul," or he got stepped, pushed out of bounds, then it definitely needed to be looked at and reviewed. I mean, they reviewed that big um, thing was Beal again with the
0: oh, the forcing the out of bounds. Oh yeah, the so forcing, after yeah, my bad. So here is how everything went down. So with 29 seconds, Towns hit that three, and then Morris answered uh, with a layup to get within three points with 16 seconds to go, uh, and then on the inbound pass, Beal denied the ball incredibly well on Andrew Wiggins and, and it, it looked like he, he tapped it off of Wiggins leg or something. So they reached it. No, it went off of Wiggins. Okay, so fans, no yeah, yeah Beale didn't touch it. It just touched Wiggins last. Yeah. So the Wizards got the ball back down by three points, uh and then they had the opportunity to tie it there. It ended up being a turnover. He got the dunk to put the, the, the Wolves up by five. From there, the Wizards had one more chance. Beal kind of caught it in the same position on what seemed like the same play. Uh, he was once again guarded by Towns. He tried to step back and get open for three. There was nothing to do. Uh, Porter, of all people, ended up with the ball. He had a rough shooting night. I think he was like eight of... Or 4 of 14 for 8 points. So if he missed that 3, it wouldn't have really made a difference at that point anyway. There was so little time on the clock. Um, But yeah, uh, Buell said he was getting pushed. Uh, Brooks said that there was no whistle when there should have been. And it it ultimately didn't matter because Scott Brooks said, like, that wasn't the play that lost the game. Right. It was the lack of defense the entire fourth quarter. It was allowing 64 points in the paint.
2: Yeah. I just... My, I think my biggest problem, too, is, like, regardless of the foul and whether there should have been, I mean, I think there should have been and at least at least have it let let it been reviewed. I mean, I don't think that's the case where you let them play through it. Um, my biggest problem was, and I, I mean, someone on Twitter called this and I ended up retweeting and I can't remember who it was. It's, of course, the way it's going to go is Bradley Beal is going to go, you know, he's going to want, and I asked you right before, I was like, who do you think is going to take the clutch shot at the end? And you were like, well, hopefully Morris Reporter. And I was like, That's what I hope, but I bet you it's going to be Beal. And, of course, it was supposed to be Beal who's taking the clutch shot. That's my biggest problem because I'm looking at his clutch stats now. In 145 minutes in what NBA.com determines as like, clutch stats. This
0: is just the current season, by the way.
2: Yeah, this is just the current season, which is, I mean, obviously the most important. Um, Bradley Beal is shooting 31.3% from the field and 21.9% from three. That is by far the worst of, like, significant clutch minutes on this team. I think that's
0: an unfair comparison, though, because he gets more opportunities than anyone else, and he's more closely guarded than anyone else besides possibly the, wall on the team but, but he's played like 30 more is games you know
2: that they're gonna go after him right so why not you use someone spread, else yeah
0: you gotta spread the floor yeah
2: that's the problem is like they know they're gonna go after Beale. i mean especially now wall out like but wheel's the best player on the floor mm-hmm. so you can't just go to him and try expect him to run down the clock and try to get up a shot because they're gonna guard him closely or they're gonna double team him
0: but do you understand my point where if you have like kobe bryant or michael jordan on your team you can't expect to, them to score 70 of the time in those clutch moments because every single player and their mother is out there trying to chase him and guard him.
2: Yes. That's no. Yeah. no, know. I definitely see your point. I just think that that like some other people need a right. chance. There
0: needs, to, yeah. The play there design needs, is bad. <laughs>
2: right. The play design is bad. I mean, Bradley Beals had not been great from clutch this season and you know, and that's okay. But then like Charlotte Otto, who's been significantly better in his own, in the same, almost the same amount of minutes.
0: Otto did have the game-winner against the the Wolves back in November when the, the Wizards prevailed, yeah. 92-89. Uh, I think it makes sense to run Beal off a of Gortat screen because Gortat is your best screener. Right. It just happened to be an unlucky matchup that Karl-Anthony Towns is perhaps, you know... Among their most versatile defenders, probably Wiggins is the best defender. Right. And then Towns, just from sheer athletic ability, like I'd want him guarding whoever's on the floor right. after Wiggins. So it just happened to be unlucky that Towns slid over, you know, who knows or not whether it was foul, it doesn't matter. The Wizards lost it. And right. It, it turned out being right. the same setup, back to back plays.
2: Right. And I mean, I understand that, like, it's unlucky that, obviously, like you said, like it just happened to be a mismatch and Towns ended up on field tonight. But again, this is something that is not just tonight's game. This is something Mm -hmm. that is an all-season problem with Beal getting the ball in the clutch minutes and him missing the shots or him losing the ball before he can even get a shot up because he waited too long to take a shot. There's just been a lot of issues with him in the clutch.
0: There's been a really unfair amount of criticism of Bradley Beal in the clutch, in my opinion, Uh, given that he's got to shoulder much more of a load with uh, John Wall being injured. I, I think, like, people kind of are quick to forget about all of the key plays, key assists that he makes in the clutch just because, you know, there's been a couple plays a couple of times where it comes down to a wire and he's shooting at the end of regulation, end of overtime and happens to miss because he's, like, double teamed and Scott Brooks isn't creative enough to devise a play that allows other people to... You know, allows other options. It's basically like if you're a quarterback, or you know, and you run a play that only has one read. It's like, okay, we're doing a hail mary this play. If nobody's open the end zone, then we're screwed.
2: I'd agree with that. I agree. It's more maybe not necessarily should be. I mean, it should be definitely a significant amount of criticism to Beal, but I think it should be more criticism on Brooks for not designing different plays that force. Because then it, like you said, then it looks bad on Beal when he can't get his shots up or he mm-hmm. messes up or whatever and then he does get a lot of criticism where I mean granted he deserves some of the criticism but it definitely a lot of it falls on Brooks like I'm just looking right now I mean in terms of points that are scored in the clutch Bradley Beal has 105 which is a decent amount the next highest is um John Wall who's again missed
0: so 30 many games. games yeah
2: 50 he has 53 which is almost half but even if you're talking how about- many minutes um, What's the Seventy-six comparison? to one hundred forty-five, but if you're looking at minutes, Otto Porter has the most next minutes with one hundred eighteen, and he's only scored forty-one points in the clutch. So yeah. that's a significant drop-off compared. Like I said, I just think every other players need the chance to try to score in the mm-hmm. clutch. That's and more my. Thing. It
0: also depends on your personality, you know do you want to have the ball in that moment or are you someone who's more like, okay, if I'm open someone passes to me, I'll shoot it? <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> like it's It's point. kind of
0: the te- floor general alpha personality of Bradley Beal at the same time yeah. where he, he would be upset if anyone else is taking that last shot.
2: Yeah, I just think, I mean, you know, when games like this where you end up screwing up in the fourth quarter and it comes down to the last seconds in the clutch shots, which has happened many times this season, something needs to be reworked in terms of like, the plays that are happening in the clutch or who you're going to have on the floor just in general in those clutch minutes maybe it's not necessarily who takes the shot but who is going to hold off players better in terms of who's going to be the defenders out there there just needs to be something reworked about Mm -hmm. what's going on in the clutch minutes
0: yeah and i got all different angles and when you have markeith morris scoring a season high 27 points he shouldn't you know shoot have just two points in the fourth quarter he shot it how many times he shot twice and made once right and made I, one of them in right the and I quarter. think if you're
2: talking about weird things that Brooks does and kind of clutch minutes I mean he took out Gortat and Morris in I don't know what time substitution that was but with like 25 seconds left on the quarter and put Jan Mahimi in in the and, fourth quarter yeah in the fourth quarter Yan Mahimi is the one who was guarding Anthony Town Carl Anthony Towns on that three-pointer from the corner and Mahimi doesn't guard well at the three point line. I mean, he fell for Carl Anthony Towns' shot fake, and then he, you know, Mahimi went by him, and so then Towns took that three pointer. Like, why did why substitute Mahimi in at the last twenty seconds? That is something. Possibly I've, to
0: get the rebound. Yeah, I don't know. But but have, so Ubre better... was on the bench, and who else? Porter was on the bench. No, you said Morris no, was Morris out. No, Morris and okay. Martell
2: were on the bench. Yeah. Ubre and Mahimi came in, and then Brooks took them right back out. Just for that one possession. Like I said, Ubrey' I understand substituting it, but why would you put Mahimi in? That just, I mean, that's something we've never seen from Brooks.
0: Well, the- you said Mahimi was the center who played the best on Cat on throughout the game. So now you're just contradicting yourself.
2: No, he was. He was the best center. But why can't you go small with Morris, Ubre.
0: And have Morris guard towns. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a fair is good point. At
2: the, that, no, no, I didn't mean it in terms of like Mahimi over Gortat. I meant it as like, right. why didn't you go small to try to match up better with whatever lineup they had.
0: Yeah, speaking there. of a weird situation, Kelly Oubre Jr. played just 15 and a half minutes.
2: Yeah, usually he's off the first one on the bench. Yeah, he,
0: he, wasn't, he wasn't even playing poorly in my mind. Shot 205, got to the free throw line four times, ended up with eight points, um, only one rebound. And then he had two turnovers and one assist. So, yeah. like, not, of course, his finest game, but it's just surprising. Like, how much can you do in 15 minutes? Um, right. Perhaps it was just the unique size matchup uh, that, yeah. that made it a little bit more challenging because if you have a point guard and Beal on the floor, right. then just the, you know, the size of the the starting lineup and and the usual suspects for for minnesota made it a little bit more starters
2: over like six eight or something like that so yeah i definitely think it was a i mean i think it was definitely a size matchup which started the problems but i mean there's a lot of things that went wrong
0: tonight so the grind continues for the wizards uh back-to-back matchup they're playing celtics who are incredibly depleted in boston tomorrow night uh i can't remember everybody but i know Kyrie is out with a knee injury
2: Kyrie's out jalen
0: brown has a concussion
2: horford is questionable oh illness.
0: illness
2: smart is out
0: right reggie theus had that meniscus tear by which i mean daniel tice reggie theus hasn't been in the league for a while yeah and then of course gordon hayward has been out all year So yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, They're going against Brad Stevens, so there's obviously no games taken for ground granted.
2: That's a must-win, though.
0: Absolutely, and then the Wizards have another like nightmare matchup against the menacing defense of the um, Indiana Pacers coming this weekend on Saturday. After that, they go to San Antonio, where they've never won this century or something like that. They
2: haven't won in seventeen years. Yeah, that's a lot.
0: That's
2: yeah. (laughs) I heard them talking about it on the broadcast. Um,
0: And the Spurs will have Kawhi Leonard back, too. He comes back on Thursday.
2: Yeah, or he's supposed to, yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly. Not confirmed, but supposedly. So,
0: I think... The biggest key for the Wizards to bounce back will just be perimeter and interior defense. So I guess that's saying defense as a whole, which (laughs) (laughs) is tough. But like, it's it's just so... Especially in the
2: interior, after you've let so many points in the paint go by over these last four games. Uh I mean, granted, obviously the perimeter is always important. But especially, there needs to be a refocus on the interior defense as a result of these last four games. And I mean, that's what Brooks was saying, apparently... Game, he was saying that they focused on it in practice yesterday.
0: Practice is just a totally different I know. animal. You know? I know, and that's you're the problem. When you're playing this, these many games, like, you can't go 100% in practice. I, I don't know. I'm not there watching the practices. I should be. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess the media is not allowed to watch a lot of it. No, you can't. But anyway, you would just assume that if you shoot 51%, hit 40% of your threes, and score 111 points, you should win the game. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it didn't happen here against the Wolves tonight, and the Wizards have dropped back-to-back, back. and so, yeah, we'll see what happens the rest of this week. You'll have to keep tuning in to the Locked On Wizards podcast to figure it out. Um, by the way, I didn't mention earlier in the podcast, but we are now on Dash Radio, on the Nothing But Net NBA channel. That's every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then our podcasts are posted a ton of places. Uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Megaphone, LockedOnWizards.com, SoundCloud. Is there audio cloud? It's SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah. And we post all the links on Twitter. Make sure to follow locked on wizards wizards extra no e um noah getzel with an underscore between noah and getzel you'll figure out how to spell it one of these days and bryna who's got the easiest twitter name of all perhaps actually locked on wizards is pretty simple yeah (laughs) because
2: you can misspell bryna about 10 different ways
0: okay good to know but anyways that's bryna k 13 no underscores no dashes none of that badness
2: with a y not an i
0: Yes, exactly. All right, so this was Locked On Wizards coming to you on a Tuesday night. Have a good evening, everyone, and we'll have another podcast featuring your host, Noah Getzel Wednesday after the Celtics game. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Don't give up the fight. Most people think, great God will
1: come from the sky.